0: pro fans all over the world we welcome you to the Pro Fan arena where prolific sports fandom a desire for wisdom in life and work for the purpose of glorifying god through our gifts and talents all rumble together thank you for joining us now introducing your starting lineup standing five feet nine from the university of take responsibility Playing the position of Chief Encourager, your host, the founder of Pro Fan League, the Pro Fan, Bradley Gibbs. Happy Friday. Welcome into the Pro Fan League arena. My name is Brad Gibbs, the founder of Pro Fan League. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus Christ is alive. He has conquered sin and death. And that makes this a great day. Now, lace up your Reebok pumps and let's talk sports. Happy Friday, everybody. The weekend is around the corner and we have a lot to talk about. Today, I am focusing in on the fan portion of the name Pro Fan League. We talked about pro a little bit on Tuesday. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about fan. And on Monday, we're going to talk about league. And when you put all these pieces together, we continue to get an idea of the spirit of what Pro Fan League is. The definition of fan could also be expanded out to the word fanatic, Philly fanatic. The definition of fanatic fan is an aficionado or enthusiast who exhibits strong interest or admiration for something or somebody. I think that a great definition of a fan is... Or the word fan, if we're putting a picture next to it, is when you look out there into the the stands and you see 111,000 people dressed in white or 40,000 people dressed in red or you see that one guy who painted himself from head to toe, including his hair, wearing shoulder pads on a snowy day. will you join me? I wonder how long it takes those people who painted themselves to unpaint themselves. And does it all come off? I mean, some of those paint jobs look pretty legitimate. What's the process of removing that paint? If anybody who listens to this show knows anyone who paints themselves like that, Could you have them get in touch with me? Have them send an email to gibbsatprofanleague.com. Comment in the show notes. If you've known somebody who paints themselves up in a crazy way for a sporting event, I'm not talking just like a little. I'm talking that full paint job. What's the process of getting that off? And how long did it take? And did you go to work on Monday and there were still remnants? Or like the people that paint their hair? Are we rocking, you know, orange and black hair for the, the rest of the month? What's the commitment level? I mean, it's a big commitment level to be in the, uh, the to be in the stands looking like that. These are people who fill the definition of fanatic. A great story about being a fanatic, being a fan. So Tim Kirkjan... Works for ESPN. He's their uh, probably most prominent baseball reporter. He's been with ESPN for a very long time. And this man loves baseball. So from 1990 to 2010, over a 20-year period, Tim Kirkjan had a box score book. Every day, he would cut the box scores out of the newspaper. And he would paste them into his box score book. That is being a fanatic. It's also the kind of story that I think is really cool and the kind of thing that really draws uh, the impact of sports out. People all over the USA, all over the world, spend time doing Things like this to follow their sport, but it's not just sports, let's be honest. Uh, This summer we saw an absolute Taylor Swift craze. So I'm not here claiming that sports fans are the only ones who go to these levels. Uh, I think Taylor Swift has proven that Uh, she also can draw quite a crowd. But when I think of a sports fanatic, when I think of fans, This story about Tim Kirkjan actually comes to my mind quite often. Every day, consistently, he would go to the paper, cut out the box score, and tape it into his box score book. If you're interested, Google the story. Uh, you'll, You'll see it. And he did this consistently. Being a fan of something means it requires time and energy, consistent time and energy to be put in to whatever you're a fan of. So, the, por- the portion of Pro Fan League, the reason that fan is part of the name is because this show is made for people who are fans of sports, but then... The, the motto of Pro Fan League is not just fans. Because we don't want to just leave the listeners of this show at the fan of sports level. Because let's face it, each one of you have a lot more components to your life than just being fans of sports. And a lot well, every single one of us, me included, has opportunities in our lives outside of sports to make tremendous difference. But we come to this place attracted by a appreciation of sport. We like to talk about it. We like to think about it. Maybe it inspires us in various ways. But Part of the ethos, part of the DNA of Pro Fan League is to help people define what is it, what is sport inspiring us to? What lessons can we learn from sport that we can then take into our lives and make an impact in our families, in our communities, at the businesses we work for? I believe that this is, is really part of the heart of of pro fan league. And as we talked about when we talked about pros, all of us are, are part of something where we are contributing our skills, our time, our talent, our resources. So we are both pros and fans. And I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I believe these are very integrated ideas. Hence the name, Pro Fan League. Just like Tim Kirkchan put a lot of time from 1990 to 2010 into cutting out the box scores and pasting them into his box score book because he appreciated baseball. We are also putting a lot of time into a variety of things in our life. And part of today, part of what I wanted to draw out was just like Tim Kirkjan took time to pursue his passion of sports by pasting box scores into his box score book, let's do a quick evaluation, a quick audit of our time How are we spending our time? Yeah, we spend time as sports fans watching sports or listening to sports or studying sports. But how are we spending our time outside of that? Or is our consumption of sports taking an appropriate amount of time? Are other important things in our life suffering because we're overdoing it on the sports side? Or maybe... It's not just watching sports. Maybe it's youth sports. Maybe, maybe it's our own intramural sports. There's a relationship between sports and time. But isn't this true of other things in life as well? Uh, my wife and I spend a lot of time, <laughs> we spend a lot of time talking about time. Talking about vision for our family and how we are spending time, what kind of environments we're trying to create with our time, how we're spending the time, what messaging is that sending to our children, what messaging is that sending to each other about what is important. I would also like to make a quick statement here that if you are going through life right now feeling discouraged, If you are going through life right now and you feel like your wheels are spinning or you don't know where you are going next or you feel like something is off, I would encourage you to spend some time reaching out to people in your life who could help you. Or if you feel that you have nowhere to go, I would encourage you to find a Bible-preaching church and start spending some time there or if you follow Jesus and you haven't been in church for a long time, I would encourage you to reignite that ritual every week, that uh, journey every week to a local church and start spending time with people there. That's a decision with time, whether or not we are are spending time going to a local church, sitting under God's word, hearing God's truth poured into our lives. That's a critical, that's a critical spending of time. Being among the body of Christ so we can be encouraged and built up and share our burdens. This comes back to time. I think being a fan, being in support of people, Ultimately, comes back to spending time. An aficionado or enthusiast who exhibits strong interest or admiration for something or somebody. If you're a fanatic of something, if we're a fan of something, it will undoubtedly require a commitment of time. So today, I would encourage you to maybe slow down and take a look at how you are spending your time. What does the story of how your time is spent tell about your life? And when you complete that audit, are you happy with what you see? Or are there some changes that need to be made? We also have a lot of sports to cover. As we think about being fans, as we think about spending time, as we think about the weekend ahead of us, there's a lot of there's a lot of good uh, there's a lot of good material out here to think about in the world of sports. We are going to start with MLB free agency. MLB free agency has had a slow start. Part of this is because this week, the MLB annual free uh, annual general manager meetings were going on in Arizona, and a virus, some sort of stomach bug, swept through the Major League Baseball general manager meetings, and they actually called them early. So this is a, a summit every year for general managers after the season is over, Uh, that a lot of business gets done. Well, this year got cut short. So I'm sure that's affecting it a little bit. But I think what's affecting the slow start to free agency more is many are wondering where Shohei Ohtani is going to sign and what kind of market he is going to set. And I think there's a lot of agents and players waiting to see what happens in the Shohei Ohtani sweepstakes. Another player that's a free agent right now that I think is very interesting is a pitcher from Japan. I'm going to attempt his name. Yoshinobu Yamamoto has been dominant in Japan his whole career. He is being posted and will be available to Major League Baseball teams in the free agent period. What makes this gentleman, to me, so interesting as a free agent is he is only 25 years old. There's some concern because he's not a big guy. I believe he stands 5'10", but his stuff in Japan has been pretty untouchable. And he reminds me of another guy. Now, he's not a lefty. I do believe he's a right-handed pitcher, but his size profile kind of reminds me a little bit of Johan Santana, the former Minnesota Twins ace. And at 25 years old, there is still probably a lot of baseball ahead of him. So if you're going to pay a guy $200 million over an extended period of time, I think it makes sense that you're going to pay him hopefully over his prime years. So Otani, they're saying is going to potentially get in the range of $500 million over 10 years, but Otani's already into his 30s. Let's be honest. How many great years of production does Otani have left, especially since he's in his second Tommy John surgery? Maybe five or six. So for him, somebody who's in win now mode is going to pay Otani and hope that he performs in a way that helps them win a championship probably somewhere in the next four years. Because after that, his performance is probably going to dwindle. Yamamoto is 25. He probably has seven or eight productive seasons before you start to see a drop-off, assuming his arm health is good. And this is one of my favorite times of the baseball year, hot stove season, where teams are building out their rosters, thinking about the future. I love free agency in all sports, basketball, football, baseball, hockey, and NFL draft time. And in the NFL, we're starting to get into mock draft season. The draft order has started to be set. We're starting to see who's going to pick where. It's starting to be projected out, and you're starting to get the pile of NFL mock drafts, and none of them are accurate, really, especially right now, halfway through the NFL season. The rosters will change. The standings will change. But, man, I scarf them up. I love mock drafts. I love free agency, building teams, and as Pro Fan League Podcast continues to to gain tenure, you're going to hear me talk a lot about team building. It's going to be part of this show. I love thinking about building rosters and how championship teams are won. That's part of the reason over on profanleague.com, I write about it. Go visit profanleague.com. You can find a lot of content, and you will be able to find a lot of content, on my thoughts about building rosters, building championship teams, What it takes. I enjoy thinking about it. I enjoy researching it. The NFL is moving into mock draft season. And last night in the NFL, we had Thursday night football. It was the Bears and the Panthers. Two teams that if you like thinking about the NFL draft are going to have a lot of options in the NFL draft. Uh, The Bears in particular, because they're going to have a number of picks in the first round due to some trades. The Bears have an interesting decision to make. Is Justin Fields the quarterback of their future? The Arizona Cardinals are also in this. Kyler Murray is coming back this week from a torn ACL. It looks like he's going to play for the first time this season. The Cardinals are also going to pick high in the NFL draft. Is Kyler Murray the future in Arizona? Is Justin Fields the future in Chicago? How do they deploy this draft capital? Major League Baseball, there's money to be spent. How do you deploy those resources? And every team is coming at this from a different place with a different strategy, and I enjoy it. I am a fan of this part two of the year this part of the game I'm also a fan of watching the game and I love seeing the pursuit of the championship trophy last night on that Thursday night game where the Bears did prevail against the Carolina Panthers it was probably the kind of matchup that made NFL fans wish for the Peyton and Eli Manning broadcast, and it might have even made Al Michaels wish that he had stayed at NBC. This was not a crazy, highly anticipated matchup with these two teams, but we do get to see Bryce Young, who's the young quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, They drafted him number one overall this past year. Get to see him out there uh, making his way, learning how to play in the NFL. And it was, I watched a, a little bit of it, and there was there was some good football out there. The Chicago Bears defense last night played very spirited. The Chicago Bears defense is actually a, a decent unit. Um, the offense is where the issues are. But hasn't that always been the case in Chicago? Has there been a juggernaut Chicago Bears offense since the Walter Payton years? Seems like they're always trying to figure out offense in Chicago. Maybe one day. I think that Justin Fields is a quarterback they could build around. If he can stay healthy, that's a big question. Uh, I, I think if Justin Fields would be cut by the Bears, he would go somewhere else and find some success. I threw out the Peyton and Eli Manning broadcast. On Monday nights, Peyton and Eli Manning often have an alternative broadcast to the main broadcast, and it is entertaining. Uh, This past week on Monday night, Peyton and Eli Manning, one of their guests was Arnold Schwarzenegger, and when they went to Arnold, he was feeding a donkey in his living room. I'm not sure what he was feeding his donkey, uh, it looked like a granola bar. But then him and Peyton were practicing. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. And uh, Arnold was giving him some critiques, which was, which was entertaining. The donkey was startling. I, uh, I don't know if the donkey lives in Arnold's house at all times. Uh, I also, as Arnold Schwarzenegger was in front of me, remembered that Arnold had uh, quite the physique as a young man. He had some huge muscles. <laughs> I mean, whoa. Whoa. And then later in that Peyton and Eli Manning show, uh, they had a segment where Eli would call out audible names and Peyton would have to make a hand, would have to ad-lib a hand gesture as the quarterback, which was also very entertaining. Maybe I'll... uh. Maybe I'll try and get a link to that in the show notes. If I don't uh, YouTube it, Peyton Manning making up signals to audibles on YouTube. Uh, that was an entertaining segment as well. Uh, Arnold and the Donkey, Peyton and Eli, watching football uh, through those guys' eyes is an interesting is an interesting piece of being a sports fan. how they see the game. Uh, I don't know that it's for everybody, uh, but tuning in for 10 or 15 minutes just to get a feel for what they do could be fun. This weekend in the NFL, 49ers and Jaguars and the Browns and the Ravens, I think headline the weekend of events on the football field. Uh, The 49ers and Jaguars are both coming off a bye week, so they should be good and ready. Uh, The 49ers are coming off a Significant losing streak and a trip to Jacksonville is a difficult way to get off a losing streak. So that should be good football. Better football, perhaps, than the Bears and the Panthers. And the Browns and the Ravens. So the whole AFC North is competitive. This is going to be interesting as we come to the end of the season. The Ravens right now are on fire. The Browns have one of the best defenses in football. So this is going to be a clash. This is going to be good, hard-nosed AFC North football this weekend. So that should be fun to see the outcome. And the AFC North is going to have a good run right to the end of the year. The Browns, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers all play hard-nosed football, and they're all quality. In college football this weekend... We have Penn State and Michigan at 12 o'clock on Saturday. So if Penn State beats Michigan and then wins the rest of their games and Michigan beats Ohio State, Penn State can still win the Big Ten. And by the Big Ten, I mean still win their division of the Big Ten and have a shot at at the Big Ten championship game. So this is a big game for Penn State. Obviously, Michigan is on a run of victories, also looking to get back to the CFP like they were last year, and they're the reigning Big Ten champs. So, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Uh, Two other games that I would bring attention to, Utah and Washington, and Ole Miss and Georgia. Both of these games are, are contests amongst ranked teams. Washington has a gauntlet to get to the Pac-12 championship and potentially the CFP. Utah is ranked. Next week, they play Oregon State at Oregon State, which is always a difficult place to play. And then they finish with a rivalry game against Washington State. This is a tough final stretch for them. And Georgia also looking to secure its spot in the SEC Championship and the CFP, plays number nine Ole Miss this week. Next week, they're at number 13 Tennessee, and then they have a rivalry game against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech has been spunky. Both of these teams have had a great season so far. Can they finish? Michigan has had a great season on the field so far. Off the field, it's been sketchy. But let's not jump to conclusions. Let the investigation play out for Michigan. This is America. Innocent until proven guilty in America. So let's withhold judgment until we know the facts. The facts are this weekend in Happy Valley, Penn State, and Michigan is an important matchup. And in other college football news, Nick Saban who owns, he's part owner of Dream Motor Group, purchased two Mercedes-Benz dealerships in a nearly $700 million acquisition. And I did not know it, but Nick Saban also owns a Ferrari dealership. This man is not just the coach of Alabama football. He's also a businessman. Pro fan league. Nick Saban coaches, and he's an entrepreneur. How about that? Right there. I assume, I wonder what Nick Saban's car collection's like. Mostly Mercedes, one Ferrari. If you own a Ferrari, do you have to, if you own a Ferrari dealership, do you have a couple in the garage or do you just put the dealer tag on? Know what I'm saying? I wonder if Nick Saban owns a Ferrari or if he just drives one around with the dealer tag on. It's an interesting question. Finally, a little bit of a discussion on hoops. So, last night in women's college basketball, a young lady named Caitlin Clark went for 44 points, eight rebounds, and six assists in a game against Virginia Tech. Both of these schools were ranked in the top 10, and Caitlin Clark has been on fire since last season. she had a run in the Women's March Madness Tournament that was historic. Uh, the women's national championship game last year between Iowa and LSU had mass, well, had significant ratings. Uh, one of the most watched women's basketball games in history, and Caitlin Clark was a large reason for that. Uh, her ability to shoot the basketball, her basketball acumen, is elite, and she's starting to move into a rare territory, a rare uh, group of women's basketball players uh, historically. She's dominant. She is dominant. She can shoot the lights out of the ball. This got me thinking about women's basketball, men's basketball, Caitlin Clark, And I'm going to revive what's probably a controversial topic. Back in 2016, there was a lot of noise about a lot of conversation about how women's basketball should consider raising the hoop or I'm sorry, lowering the hoop to nine feet. I watch women's basketball right now. And I still think that lowering the hoop to nine feet would help them accomplish many of the goals that they desire. Uh, Lots of talk around women's basketball and women's sports comes back to pay and they want to get paid more. Uh, Just like the reality of anything, in order to get paid more, you have to stir more revenue And draw people into the business that you're starting. And the WNBA, which has been around since 1997, has never had a profitable year as a business. So the reason that WNBA players get paid less has nothing to do with their skills as basketball players or even whether they're men or women. This is a business and it all comes back to revenue. I know that's an unpopular stance in some circles, but this is the truth. It comes back to revenue. It comes back to entertainment. Do people want to watch the product? And I think that if women's basketball would bring the hoop to nine feet and add a four-point line, Those two changes would accelerate women's basketball to a new place. And I know there's resistance at the front. Like, oh, if we make those changes, women's basketball will be viewed as inferior. I think we have to uncouple this comparison between women's basketball and men's basketball. The game is different. The average height of a WNBA player is six feet. The average height of an NBA player is six feet six, according to NBA.com. The average height of an NBA of a WNBA center is six foot five. The average height of an NBA player is six foot six. So the NBA league on average is taller than the tallest players at one position in the WNBA. I'm not saying that women's basketball cannot play on a 10-foot hoop. Listen, Maya Moore, Aja Wilson, Diana Taurasi, Breonna Stewart, Caitlin Clark, they can hoop on a 10-foot bucket. They would all crush me one-on-one. They would all crush a lot of men on a basketball court in one-on-one. I don't know that they would crush many NBA players one-on-one. But average Joe at the YMCA, they would hold their own. And by hold their own, I mean it wouldn't be close. They would beat them down. But as far as viewership goes, if they want to make more money, I think seriously they have to consider taking the hoop to nine feet, and adding a four-point line. It would juice the game. It would speed up the flow of the game. You could start seeing alley-oops in the WNBA, and it would make the game more spectacular. And that's going to bring viewership, and that's going to make them start advancing toward the paychecks they want. That's my opinion. I hope that they make some changes in the future to keep the momentum going uh, and to build the momentum off this past championship game for the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. These women can play basketball. That's not what's at stake here. It's how do you get people to watch them? And it comes back to excitement. It comes back to excitement and making the fan experience more exciting. I do not think that the integrity of the game is ruined for women if you take it to nine feet and add a four-point line. I just don't. This is coming from a guy who was very resistant to the pitch clock in baseball this year. Uh, The MLB made changes just to make the game more exciting. And in that spirit, I think the WNBA has to make changes just to make the game more exciting. So that's the parallel. Parallel. That's my opinion. Uh, college hoops: uh, Duke and Arizona play tonight. That's a ranked matchup in the early day, early going here. That'll be great. And uh, as I was doing research, I also came across a survey: colleges with the most NBA players. Kentucky at twenty six, Duke with twenty four in the NBA, UCLA with fifteen, and Kansas at twelve. And Kentucky has led the NBA in players playing in the NBA for twelve straight years. That is pretty amazing. To close out today, I want to draw attention to Blessings of Hope for a few minutes, for the final few minutes. So, Blessings of Hope, as I mentioned on Tuesday, is a ministry located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. They source food from suppliers that's going to be thrown out, and then they repackage that food. And they put it at a distribution center in Lancaster City where people can go and shop at a very cheap rate. But they also take that food and repackage it and send it to disaster areas. They send it all over the world. And they've also partnered with a ministry that gets food to the persecuted church around the world. I've served at Blessings of Hope a few times now. And what has made a strong impact on me is how many levels of impact Blessings of Hope is having right now. One level, they save food from being destroyed that could be eaten. They redistribute that food to service centers where people in need can buy it at a low price. Or you can buy vouchers and give those vouchers to people that you know who are in need and they can go to the service center and get food for free. Or on your Or because of your generosity. You see families volunteering at Blessings of Hope. You see retired people volunteering at Blessings of Hope, feeling like they're part of something, getting community. They're distributing food to the persecuted church. They're distributing food to disaster relief situations. And they're having a phenomenal community impact here in Lancaster and an ever expanding scope. And they also recently opened a location, I believe in Kentucky. So I put Blessings of Hope in front of you. Go to blessingsofhope.com, check it out, sign up to volunteer. Uh, If you are looking for something fun to do with your family that makes an impact this holiday season, consider Blessings of Hope. If you have some year end giving, consider Blessings of Hope. This is not just gonna be a flash in the pan. Uh, If you regularly listen to Pro Fan League Podcast, you're going to hear about Blessings of Hope. With that, I hope you have a tremendous weekend. I hope you have a tremendous weekend being a fan of sports, but I also hope you have a tremendous weekend being a fan of your family, your husband, your wife, your kids, the people you come into contact with in your journeys, your neighbor. I hope you have a tremendous day being a fan of your coworkers. I hope you have a tremendous day remembering that God loves you and he is a fan of you. Have a super day. Have a super weekend. Please share this show. Let people know about it. Give us a five-star rating. Visit us at profanleague.com. Read some of the content there. I'm cheering for you. Go make plays. You are not just fans. Talk to you on Tuesday.